Well, welcome to week number eight in our message series uh, on the book of James, a blueprint for making faith work. And uh, we have two weeks left, this weekend, next weekend, and we're going to be covering James chapter five. And uh, before we jump in it, let me just say, uh, my wife Susie and I, we just had a great time uh, this past weekend. Uh, we were in Poughkeepsie, and, and I was able to preach live there at Regal Cinemas in our Poughkeepsie campus. And and uh, we just enjoyed it so much, met a, a lot of new folks, to us anyway, but have actually been part of the Valley family for some, uh, almost nine months now. And uh, it, it was just fantastic being up there. And uh, uh, let me just say it this way, um, those of you that are in Poughkeepsie, you can expect that more frequently in, in the future, and you'll be hearing more about that uh, probably in the weeks to come. Um, but for now, we're going to continue on our series, as I mentioned before, uh, in the book of James. And, and I just want to remind a little, this is called a blueprint for making faith work. Now, now we're going to look at verses 1 through 12 tonight in, in James chapter 5. And uh, this is one of the things that when you do take a book of the Bible and just kind of go through section by section and studying it and preaching it, you come across some stuff that otherwise you wouldn't really even want to look at. Uh, th this is a really, really tough passage, and, uh, and, and I'm sure that the staff is glad that I'm here this weekend to handle this instead of one of the other pastors uh, uh, having to handle this. Uh, we're going to look at the life that God rewards, the life that God rewards. And, and the bottom line is this that we're going to discover. The life that God rewards, the life that God blesses is a generous life is a generous life. And as we're looking at the book of James, if it is a blueprint for making faith work, and what does it look like living out our faith? We looked at in weeks past, faith without works is dead. Well, well, wouldn't you know, James is going to have to tackle the big issue for many of us in our lives, and that's our resources, money. And, and uh, I don't think I've ever <laughs> preached from this passage before in James chapter 5, but uh, here we are. We've covered the other four chapters, so here we come on James chapter 5. And uh, James really, uh, he kind of punches us in the mouth. I, I mean, he really does. He's a real straight shooter. Uh, he, he doesn't leave anything wondering, you know, leave us wondering what in the world is he talking about. Re just a reminder, James is the half-brother uh, of Jesus himself. And, and the book of James is the second oldest book in the New Testament. And so for the early Christians, for many of them, this is all that they had. This was literally a blueprint for how to live their lives, how to make faith work. This was it. Uh, before the other letters, the epistles were written, before the gospels were even written, they had James. And, and so this is what the early church cut their teeth on, what we've been looking at uh, last seven weeks and now in week number eight of this series. And, and the bottom line is this, James makes this very strong connection that our resources, what we do with our resources in this life is connected to eternity. What we do with our resources in this life is connected to eternity. It kind of reminds me of the story of uh, a wealthy man. Uh, he was very, very wealthy, had been, uh, worked hard all of his life. He was getting on up in years, uh, and, and he was an extremely rich, wealthy person. And he went to the doctor one day, and, and after examination, the doctor determined that he had a terminal illness. And, and so he went home to his wife that night and said, I've been diagnosed. I don't know how long I have, uh, but the doctor said, I may not have long at all. And, and, of course, she was shaken by that. And he said, I have one wish. I, I have one last wish, my, my death wish. And uh, she said, what's that? And he said, I want you to liquidate all my assets. I want to be buried with all the money. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what, about, what about me? What about the kids? He's like, just please tell me you'll honor my last wish on earth. 
I want to be buried with all of the money. And so not a long time went by, he passed away. And at the graveside, after the funeral, at the graveside service there at the cemetery, his widow was sitting in the front row, and she had a beautiful ornate box in her hands. And right before they lowered the casket into the grave, she walked up, and she placed this beautiful ornate box on top of the casket. And then she went back and sat down. And one of her friends that was sitting there with her had been comforting her, said, what was all that about? She said, well, I'm honoring my husband's last wish. He said he wanted to be married, buried with all of the money. She's like, you didn't really do that, did you? She said, absolutely, I did. I said, well, what's in the box? She said, I wrote him a check. <laughs> she said, I wrote him a check, and if he can cash it, it's all his. <laughs> oh, by the way, let's go shopping. So any, anyway, you, you can't take stuff with you. We like to think we can, but you really can't take stuff with you. Um, and, and, and what we do in this life with the resources, we, we, not everyone's rich, not everyone's wealth, but we all have something. And what we do with that something matters. And God's watching that. And, and so let's look at James chapter 1. Uh, and I want to break this down to two different sections. I'm just going to read it through, and then we're going to break it down. James chapter, I'm sorry, James chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Here we go, James chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. You feel blessed? Isn't that great? It gets better. Watch this. It goes on. And it says, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Feel blessed? It goes on and says, you've hoarded wealth in the last days. And then it goes on and says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. God watches what we do with our money. And then he goes on and says, you've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent men you were, you, uh, who were not opposing you. Now let's just pray right now and go home. We'll be dismissed, all right? I mean, this is like, this is like James just pops us in the face, doesn't he? And, and, but, but why should we be surprised, right? Because if, if James is, indeed it is, a blueprint for making faith work, do you know finances and money is a huge part and determines do we trust God or do we not trust God? And James makes it pretty clear that God's watching how you and I handle our resources on a daily basis. How we handle our resources on a daily basis. Now, the first thing I think is important just to mention is this. You know, you can read this at, at one level and say, well, this is directed toward rich people. Surely this isn't talking about me. Let's see if, if we're really rich or if, we're, if that's somebody else. Just, just see, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but did you know three-quarters of the world population lives on less than $300 a month? A month. 300 American dollars a month or the equivalent. Three-quarters, 75% of all human beings alive on the planet right now. 
$300 a month or less. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you make over $300 a month, you're in the top 25% of the wealthiest human beings on the face of the earth. Wow. See, see, rich is always the other person, isn't it? Rich is always the one who has more than we have. But when you look at any world global standard, three-quarters of the world's population lives on $300 a month or less. That just kind of giving us a little bit more perspective. I think it's important that we realize this when it talks about resources. The Bible does not condemn wealth, but over and over again, it warns of the great responsibility that comes with wealth. Let me say that again. The Bible doesn't condemn wealth or riches, but over and over again, it warns of there's a great responsibility that, that God holds those who are wealthy, that's really you and me, most every single person who hears me right now, accountable. And we have a great responsibility. Jesus really talked to this issue in Luke chapter 12, verses 48. He put it this way. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. Much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And so, I, listen, I'll let you in on a little secret. I make more than $300 a month, personally. So when I stand before God, <laughs> he's going to require more of me because I'm top 25 wealthiest human beings on the planet in the day in which I live. And, and so the Bible does not condemn wealth, but over and over again warns of the great responsibility that comes with wealth. See, it's not about the stuff that we have. It's about having the right attitude and making sure that we don't abuse the stuff that we have. The Bible calls this stewardship. What that means is everything we have is really, we're to be managers of, good managers of, that God's entrusted into our care. Because one day, we're going to have to give an account. There's going to be something required of us. God expects something more of those who have more than 75% of human beings on the planet right now. And so, it's so important that we that we're careful not to adopt the world standard of worth, of value, and identity. That instead, we hold to God's standards of worth, God's standards of value, and who God says our identity is supposed to be. And it's not in our stuff. It's not in our stuff. And so there's nothing wrong with saving. In fact, the Bible teaches that. There's nothing wrong with investing. The Bible teaches that. There's nothing wrong with purchasing. The Bible teaches that as well. The question of Scripture over and over again when it comes to our resources, when it comes to our things, our stuff, is always this. Why are you doing what you're doing with your stuff? Why are you doing what you're doing with your stuff? I'll give you an example of this. You know, yesterday they, uh, they made a big uh, presentation that uh, the new iPhones are being released iPhone 6S, iPhone 6 Plus S. I saw that right before I went to bed last night. Plugged the charger into my iPhone 6. You see how that just happens like that? I was like, man, 
if, if I'm, I'm kidding, actually, I was just like, look at that, they just came out with another one. And, and, and Susie, my wife said, you know, you think at some point they just quit. I said, why would they? They're printing money. They're printing money because it's dealing with people. It's like, I got to have the latest. I got to have the greatest. I got to have the best. Never enough. And so the scripture always talks about this, and it's all about attitude. And, and so here in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, what, what we find here, and I just want to break it down now, what we just read, uh, and maybe a little uh, easier to receive tone than maybe even what James is saying, but same exact truth. Attitudes of a giving life. What are some attitudes? It's all about our attitude towards money, our attitude towards stuff. That's what God is really looking at. That's what James is talking about here, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And, and so uh, the, the first key or point about the right attitude, living the kind of life that God rewards, is this. Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. Again, when you see that word steward throughout Scripture, it means manage. Manage it. Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. We were on vacation this past summer. Uh, some of the warning lights came on in our, in our car uh, the day before we were supposed to leave, heading back north from Georgia, uh, here to New York. And uh, we were really troubled. That's a long drive to have the warning lights going on in your car. And so uh, uh, Susie and I talked about it. We're like, we've got we to stop by the dealership in Georgia and have this taken a look at. So, so we, we got there early in the morning. The car's all packed, and you know we're hoping it's not going to take long. Long story short, it was uh, five and a half hours that we sat there uh, in the dealership. That was great. That was really great. Uh, what, what made it even better was the television programming that was on during the time. I'd never seen this before, uh, but uh, they, they had a, a t TV show on called Hoarders. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hoarders? I was, I was watching that thing. Man, I felt like I had to take a bath in Purell after that stuff. I mean, it was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just, this is awful. And it's down this, and I just, it was painful to watch this. And, and I'm looking for the remote. You couldn't change it, so it's like all there was, either that or just watch them change in spark plugs, you know, through the window or something. And, uh, and did you know that now, literally, hoarding is a diagnosed psychological issue? It's, it's, a, it's a medical disorder. Here are the symptoms of hoarding. Depression. Anxiety. Separation. And isolation. And you know, as I watched episode or two of that, you, you see the pain that's caused the family the, the fractured relationships, parent to child, child to parent, all because of what? <sighs> Holding on. Holding on to stuff so much, so tightly. And so the, the first thing, really, that James is teaching here, James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, is don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. Manage it wisely. Second thing, attitude of a giving life is this. Don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. James talks about here in, in chapter 5, he talks about employers to employees. And, and, and the whole idea is you're, you're, you're squeezing your employees and you're not paying them what they deserve. 
You're not paying them for a good day's work. And God says, I see that. I see that. I notice that. Don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it honestly. It's talking about the employer and employee relationship here in James chapter 5. Be careful how you treat other people regarding the blessings in your life. That, that God wants us to distribute it honestly. Here's the third thing about the right attitude, the attitude of a giving life, a generous life. Don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. Don't, don't spend it selfishly, but share it. Share what God's given to you generously. We can live a life of spend, 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 or we can live a life of share, share, share. And you know what really makes the difference? It's what we share. Sharing generously. Instead of more for me, God, how can I use what you've given to me to bless other people? Share, share, share. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus put it this way. Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard, and this is pretty interesting, <laughs> against all kinds of greed. Did you know Jesus said there's more than one kind of greed? There's all kinds of greed. All of us have different things to be greedy about. To hang on tightly, I'm not going to share. Be careful, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And, and so Jesus is saying, be careful when you assume because someone has more that they're more important or they're more valuable. Be careful when, when, when you see someone and because of the car they drive or the house they live in that you think, wow, they must really have their stuff together or they must have really done something dishonest. Be careful. Be careful that we don't attach value to people or we devalue people based on what they do have, what they don't have. Why? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when the possessions have us. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but when we're so attached to our stuff that we alienate other people, it fractures other relationships, and it causes our heart to get hard towards our neighbor. That's a problem. And that's what James is talking about in James chapter 5. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, it's not talking about so much the, the hoarder, the stuff having us. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, 24 and 25. This is amazing. Just great wisdom. One man, watch this now, one man gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. This is the life that God blesses. One man, what does he do? He's generous. And what happens? God blesses him with even more. Another man holds on to everything that he has, withholds unduly, and guess what happens? He comes to poverty. Next verse, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. 
I, I had them highlight this, these verses, verse 24, the top part, verse 25, Proverbs chapter 11. You know why? Because this is the Valley family. Th- this is our, our church family right here. Valley family is a generous family. Generous family. And you know what we've seen through the years? Because we're generous, you know what happened? God blesses us with even more. God blesses us with even more. Instead of being closed-fisted, tight-fisted, God blesses us with even more. Why would he do it? Well, he said that's the way it works. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I believe that, that this right here and this right here, these highlighted portions of, of these two verses, this describes the Valley family. We wouldn't be who we are today as a church family if it weren't for the generosity of the Valley family. We launch a campus in Poughkeepsie, and, and, and you know what? Everything paid for in cash on the front end. About $300,000 in cash on the front end. Why would, why would we do that? To reach more people. To reach more people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And you know what God's done? Just more people have come. More people have come. Because of your generosity, Valley family. That's how we're able to reach more people. And so this is really the history of the Valley family. I, I remember kind of learning about this principle of, about generosity. There are literally times when, when in the past uh, in the church when things got a little tight and you know what the answer always was? Well, I've learned this in college. When, when things are tight, make sure you're, 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 you're really uh, on budget and all. And then the other thing is this, give generous. Just, just find another way how to get, just, just find another way how you can be generous to someone else. And then watch, God says, all right. One gives freely, yet gains more. I remember when I learned this in college. Uh, I, I, my first two years of college, I was uh, a janitor at a Christian school uh, after class, and I'd mop, and I would uh, clean the garbage, I emptied the garbage, and, and vacuum and all after school each day, and they had a missions conference at the church, at the college there, and uh, all the missionaries were coming in from all over the globe, and it was an opportunity where they raised funds and all. Uh, I made $75 a month. Yeah, baby, I was rolling in the dough. I really was. $75 a month. My meal plan didn't cover lunch. So, so I had to come up with something. I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old. I could eat like a small village. I really could. And, and so I had to lunch every day, $75 a month. I used to go get my check cash, and I would ask the cashier, I'd say, I'd like that all in fives. <laughs> I want a big old wad just sticking in my pocket right up in there, you know. So when I walked in, I'm like, whoa, payday for Greg. Yeah, GW. Yeah, so anyway, $75 a month. And I, I remember they had this missions conference, and, and I, was, I, w- I was excited. I got through work. I got everything cleaned up, emptied the trash, and vacuumed the carpets, and, and mopped and, and cleaned up everything. And I got back to the church for that service, and they had all the missionaries there, getting, and they're talking about this, they're talking about that. And one of my friends, I'd already met him, Already had a friendship, and, and, uh, and he got up. His name, he was a missionary in Germany. His name was Joel, and Joel got up, and he started talking about what God was doing in Germany. I'm sitting there with this big, fat roll of $5 bills in my pocket. $75. Woohoo! And I heard God whisper in my ear, give it all. 
and I knew the devil was in that place. <laughs> I was like, surely the devil is in here. Somebody open the door and cast him out. Are you kidding? <laughs> How about I give some? But that's not what I heard. God speaking in my heart, give it all. And I'll never forget, I pulled out one of those envelopes in the back of the pew, stuffed in that money, could hardly close it because it's so thick, $5 bills. And I wrote on it, Germany. Joel Hollingsworth. Offering came, the bag came by. That, that was so hard, dropping that envelope in that deep, dark hole. <laughs> and it was almost like as, as that bag began to move down the aisle, I could just hear those $5 bills saying, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, we're on our way to Germany, never to be seen again. You know what? I've never regretted that decision. Because as soon, the farther that bag got away from me, you know what? It was like something just... It was like money just lost its grip on me. And I realized I'm either going to live and manage what God gives me in obedience to him with his blessing or I'm going to try to do it all on my own. And I just don't think Greg's that smart. I need his help. One man gives freely yet gains even more. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I think it was a month later, six weeks later, I got my tax return that I'd filed for my income tax. The check return <laughs> was for $750. I don't believe in coincidence. I put $75 in that offering and I heard God say, give that all. And when I opened that tax return check from the IRS, 750 bucks. I knew God keeps his word. Let's look at the next passage here and then we'll find out that it's not just about an attitude, it's really about actions that James talks about. Doesn't get any better, by the way, this next passage. <laughs> James chapter 5, picking it up in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. What's the context of what he's talking about? Handle your resources in the way that God wants you to. Don't let them handle you. You manage them. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. It's not a different thought. It's not a different topic. Same topic. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains? What is the whole picture of farming? Planting a seed and a harvest. Still talking about the same exact topic. It goes on and says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience, what are we supposed to do with our finances? We're supposed to be patient. Be patient in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Watch, goes on. 
And it says, and you know, we consider blessed those who do what? Persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance. What happened to Job? He lost everything. Job lost everything. Every single resource he owned, he lost it all, and he still would not curse God. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still going to serve him. In fact, Job also said this, though he slay me, yet I will still serve him. Perseverance. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen, watch this, what the Lord finally brought about. God returned to him, not just what he lost, but multiplied times over everything that he had lost. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And it goes on. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven, nor by the earth, by anything else. Let your yes be yes, and your no, no, or you will be condemned. What does that have to do with resources and all? It means like, I swear I'm going to go out and do this. I, I, I'm going to make this, I'm going to keep it. And all. He's like, no, no, no. Put your trust not in your ability to swear. You just say yes and follow through. You say no and let that be the end. And you trust in God. You trust in God. And so what we find here is keeping in mind the Lord's return. James reminds us that, that we do need to have the right attitude when it comes to resources, but we also need to have the right actions. We also need to have the right actions. And, and so in the time we have remaining, let's just look real quickly at actions of a giving life. Actions of, of, a, of a giving life, of a generous life, the kind of life that God rewards. Here's the first thing, just kind of peeling back what we just read there in verses 7 through 12. Be patient. Be patient. That's why I had it highlighted there as we read through that. God wants us to be patient. Patient with ourselves. Patient with others. And patient with God's timing when it comes to our resources. Be patient. Here's the second thing. Persevere. You know what? perseverance means that means you go through some stuff you can't have perseverance when everything's fine and dandy it doesn't happen and so persevere you know going back to that story yeah it's great i got that irs check Woo! you know i knew that was the lord but you know what i was hungry a little while but i never regretted it i just was trusting god persevere be patient, persevere. Here, here's the third thing that James says is so important, the actions that we take. Be consistent. It's so important that we're consistent. Consistent about our giving, consistent about our serving, consistent about our care. Be consistent day in and day out. Be reliable. Be dependable. Be consistent. People can count on you. That, that's why, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You don't have to say, I, I swear. You, know, you don't have to swear on somebody's grave or you know, any, anything like that. You just say yes. Be consistent. Follow through. And just say no. And then back that up with your life. Be consistent. Be consistent. And you know what happens when you're consistent? When, when, when you and I are patient, when we're when we persevere and we're consistent, you know what happens? We grow. Growth. 
We begin to grow in our trust. We begin to grow in our faith. We begin to grow in our relationship with Christ and we become more like him. And finally, the last thing that James says really is show compassion. Show compassion. That, that not only are we to have an attitude of a giving life, but the actions of a giving life. Show compassion. Consistent compassion can transform a community for the cause of Jesus Christ. And here, here's a little definition I worked on of, of compassion that I think will kind of help us as we, we think about what does that really look like. Here's compassion. Putting our stuff in circulation for the cause of Jesus Christ with no strings attached. That's compassion. Putting our stuff in circulation for the cause of Jesus Christ with no strings attached. It's just amazing when we look to meet a need that someone has without any strings attached, without like, ah, and one day I will call upon you and you will return to me this favor that I've granted you. That's not the Jesus way. <coughs> Compassion, putting our stuff into circulation for the cause of Jesus Christ with no strings attached. Now, listen, you couldn't talk about our stuff, generosity, here in James chapter one, I'm James chapter five, verse one through 12. I, I just like, it's just, I have the obligatory Mother Teresa quote. Like you gotta do it, right? You've got to quote Mother Teresa when you're talking about compassion and generosity. I love this quote. Look at what she said. I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. You know what? All of us have something. But when we, one person, even one church, we, we can't change the world. But you know what we can do? We can cast a stone across the waters and create many, many ripples. And so I just want to challenge you with that over this next week. Look for opportunities to begin to create some ripples. Ripples is generosity. No strings attached. Putting our stuff in circulation for the cause of Jesus Christ with no strings attached. We just talked about, uh, we're not just supposed to talk about, rather, a generous attitude. James says, faith without works is dead. And that applies to our resources, too. That, that, that we're not just supposed to talk. We're not supposed to just have the right attitude. It all boils down to actions. Actions. And, and so, as we conclude this message right now from James chapter 5, next week we'll, we'll wind up the whole series at the last part of, of James. It's really going to be great. I hope you make plans to be here. I came across another quote that I think is really like for this moment right now. It's by Thomas Guthrie who lived in the 1800s. He was a Scottish preacher and a philanthropist. I have a hard time saying that, philanthropist. And this is what he said. Do it now. It's not safe to leave a generous feeling to the cooling influence of the world. Do it now. Do it now.
that there's something about, you know what? If I just get a raise, then I'm going to be generous. The world will cool that down, and it won't ever happen. If this just happens, then I'm going to start blessing other people. That's the cooling influence of the world. Do it now. It's not safe to leave a generous feeling to the cooling influence of the world. And you know, when you think about it, the reason why I think generosity is so close to the heart of God is because that's what he did for you and me. God so loved the world, he gave. He generously, he gave his one and only son. He gave all he had. I'm so thankful that God wasn't stingy with me. And he wasn't stingy with you either. He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish and have everlasting life. We, we want a blueprint to make faith work. Well, it's going to start touching on our resources and how we handle those things the way that God wants us to. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, I, I want to thank you for your grace in handling just a, a, a really tough section here in James chapter 5, uh, the first 12 verses. Lord, we recognize as, as we're beginning to wind this, this series down and we'll conclude it next weekend, that, that of course when we talk about just living out faith, you're going to have something to say about the way we handle our stuff. Lord, help us to remember your generosity when we want to be stingy and hold on to our stuff. Help us to remember you gave your one and only son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have forgiveness of our sins. We're saved. And, and the Holy Spirit, when we trust in Christ and recognize he died for us, transforms our lives and transforms our perspectives. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to cast a stone across the water to create many ripples, e even though many of us, we don't have much, but we can start somewhere. And Father, let us be always aware that, that one day that, that we'll stand before you. And Lord, we want to hear good, well done, good and faithful servants. Thank you for your word that's a mirror it helps us to see what's really inside and helps us to see where we really need to grow and where you're going to give us the power to become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.